The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Race IndyCar podcast. We're back with Marcus Eriksson. Marcus, welcome back to the pod. It's been too long, even though it's not really been that long. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me uh, again. Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know how long it's been, actually. No, I was on here a couple of months ago, right? In the winter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah not, long ago, not long ago at all. And uh, yeah, you've, been, you've got married since. You've, uh, you've had some success in, in the IndyCar series and, and you're leading the points. So things are looking good heading into the, the month of May. Can't complain, man. Life is, uh, what do you say, living the dream. So yeah, it's uh, it's going well. But I need to keep my head, you know, focused because uh, can't can't relax in this sport. But yeah, it's it's been great. You know, I'm I'm super happy, like on and off track. So it's, it feels amazing. You're uh, you're leading the points, obviously, as we uh, referred to, and obviously you came on uh, a little bit earlier in the year and talked about some of the things you've been doing in. In the off season, you've obviously worked a lot on various aspects of your driving, of of you know working with the team, getting yourself ready for for this season. You've also got yourself the help of a mental coach as well to to help you work on some bits there as well. Do you feel like the the results you've had to start this year are really like a a reflection of all of that hard work that you you did in the off season and kind of see all that pay off? Uh, I'd like to think so. Yeah, I think you know uh, I have put in a lot of work this off season and and. We as a team as well, you know, putting in a lot of work to, to try and improve our full package. And, and that obviously includes the driver trying to be better as well. So I feel like we've all, you know, become a little bit better. And in a close series like IndyCar, if you find, you know, a couple of percents here and there uh, and, and add a, that all up, you know, that, that makes a difference. And I feel like uh, we've shown that this, this start of the season that we are, a bit stronger on the eighth car than we've been, you know, last year. Last year was a really strong year, but I think we've, we've taken a step again this year, and 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 that's been good to see. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a great start to the year for us. We were talking kind of off air a minute ago just about how, you know, you guys obviously feel strong, and you're bringing back a package that you know is that you know is good to the 500, but that you got to kind of figure at this point that between McLaren, Penske, you know, digging themselves out of the hole that they've been. And the Andretti cars have looked really strong this year. That you know that there's there are t- there's some room for teams to close the gap to you. It, with the start of the year being as strong as it's been and being so genuine in terms of where the results have come from. I mean, like if anything, it sort of seems like you haven't quite notched some of the results that like might have been there, been available to you just based on the speed of the car, which is. You know, I guess I, I I'm interested just to start with, like, how different does that feel rolling into the 500 this year, and and how does that, how much confidence does that give you just in the package that you guys are bringing, and just the overall competitiveness of you and the team coming into the 500? Yeah, I think you know it definitely gives a lot of confidence going into the month. Uh, like you say, I think we've shown every weekend that we have the pace to be right up there, and I think we, you know, we haven't lucked into any results yeah we, we had some luck on our side there and then in St. Pete but we were there to sort of pick up the pieces and we put ourselves in a position to, to win that race and uh, you know uh, the rest of the races we, we've been there thereabouts so we we definitely bring that confidence into the month of May and um, yeah coming back to what you said there in the beginning I think it's it's gonna be incredibly competitive and tough this year you know the 500 I think you know, we, we're going to be strong. I, I have no doubt about that, but I'm sure McLaren is going to be even stronger than they were last year and they were very fast last year. And then you have Penske, who is 
you know, they're going to figure it out sooner rather than later uh, at the Speedway, you got to think. And then <laughs> Andretti is, you know, making big progress this year as well, it seems. Plus, you know, all the other teams that mix it up. So, yeah, it's going to be it's gonna be a tough uh, month of May. But uh, we feel confident. Yeah, we've had a great start of the year. We've worked a lot on the 500 uh, package, uh, even though we were, like, one of the dominant teams last year. I feel like we've made some some progress uh, there as well. So it's um, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. And so let's talk about just you know for you coming into Indy having won it last year. How does that change your approach? Like, does it feel like there's less pressure? Is there more of a you know? Is it more relaxed because you you've kind of done it? So you you've not you've notched that you've gone through all of the phases of already having won a five hundred. Or does it feel like there's more pressure now that you've done it once to kind of show that, all right, this was this was no fluke. Like, we're here again. You know, we can run up front given that all these other teams are going to be bringing their A game to the table. What what sort of side of the fence are you on on that? Yeah, that's, that's a good question, actually. I feel like I'm a bit on both sides, so to be honest. Like, in, in, one, in, one way, in one way, it is less pressure because, you know, I have won it and I'm always going to be an in 500 winner no matter what happens. For the rest of my career but on the other side yeah it's gonna be you know like last year i was running under the radar most of the month you know i was in a dream team there with jimmy and tk and dixie and palu it was you know everyone was talking about my teammates and i could just sort of sit back and, and work <laughs> in you know in, in the shadows a bit and just prepare and then be there and suddenly from no one had noticed and suddenly we were there and won the race so i think you know that's definitely not going to be the case this year it's going to be a lot more attention and, and eyes on, on on the eight car um, but I think that's a good thing, you know. I think we we want to be in that position, and I think you know the last couple of years we've been running up front and winning races, so so we deserve to be there. Uh, but yeah, so so yeah, coming to back to your question, I don't know. Yeah, like I said, I think it's a bit of a mix, to to, to be honest with you. Yeah, all of the above. <laughs> <laughs> I guess one good thing is that you go into the five hundred with your team, kind of mostly being the same. Uh, I guess Taylor Kyle's Kyle's the exception there, and. When you lost Mike O'Gara over to the the kind of sports car side of things, coming to the five hundred, Taylor Kyle was the second best person you could have because he finished second in the race last year. So you, you couldn't have you couldn't have had a better replacement in Not terms much of, of a step down. Yeah. yeah, looking and and also a guy who obviously managed the the McLaren team. So obviously someone who's been around the block and and knows what he's doing. But I guess in the off season with you know the way Ganassi is constantly kind of moving and shaking with the championships that it's doing outside of IndyCar as well as inside it you know it must be a, there must be a scenario sometimes where as the team that's performing so well there's like an interest from inside the team to look at some of the people who are on your team and, and take them away and move them to to other things you know just naturally you promote people don't you you promote the best people the, the people who are doing a good job you you know you move them into the areas that that you most need them in inside a team so I guess you're coming back to the 500 that you won last year with almost everybody on the team and the only other person out of the kind of main personnel was was second in the 500 last year so that's got to be a good feeling kind of going in and, and knowing you've got all those guys together yeah definitely i think you know losing mike was was definitely a big loss because he's he's been with me all, all the time since i came to ganassi and you know he, he he's a great guy but yeah he, to get taylor as the replacement you know it, it couldn't be it couldn't be much better than that and he's come along and then you know really added to the to the whole organization and and you know it's been it's been great and, and great to work with and we've been gelling from from the get-go so it's it's been it's been really really good and um and then yeah coming back to, to what you said there as well like i've kept 
pretty much. Yeah, it's been a couple of changes on the mechanic side, but not many. And then the rest we, we kept from the eight car from last year. And that's kind of the first time in my, my years in Ganassi that we kept so many people on the car from year to year. And it does make a difference. You know, it's you sort of build up that team spirit, or at least I, I try and build that team spirit within my team. And I, I try, you know, go down to the shop a couple of times a week and then hang out with the guys and, and sort of build this we feeling you know we are winning we are you know we're gonna try and do this together and and then you know having the same kind of core group it, it means a lot to that so i'm, I'm really happy about that and uh, it's something i value a, a lot in the way i work i have, I have a, a maybe a bit of an offbeat question you know you you guys spoke earlier in the year about you working with a, a mental coach and and i guess just for the sake of the listeners and, and you can answer this kind of as as general i know as race car drivers, we don't like giving away like the little secrets of, of things that help us help <laughs> us find that last percent or whatever. But maybe in a more general sense, like how do you think that that's affected? Like, I think people people look at at that type of thing, working with a sports psychologist, or you know, you hear about these things in all kinds of variety of sports, right? With athletes of of all different kinds. But I think sometimes something that's underappreciated is how much it affects other aspects of what you're doing as a driver working with working with somebody on your sort of mental game and your mental approach because as you change your approach to what you're doing it's sort of it you do i think you do sometimes notice that it starts to affect the people around you and it affects your personal life and it's this kind of all-encompassing thing that you're leveling up i'm wondering if you can just speak to sort of that experience for the benefit of uh, of of our listeners who maybe don't have quite as clear a perspective on on how wide ranging that can be. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting, and you're touching a bit on it as well. Like many people see working with a mental coach or sports psychologist, or whatever you want to call it, people do that if they have a problem, right? Like that's the sort of general. Oh, you're working with a, what? What problem do you have? No. You don't have to do it because you have a problem. You can do, like I said it before, like you go to the gym because you don't necessarily have to be like, you have a problem fitness-wise. You want to be stronger, right? And that's sort of how, how I saw it in the off-season. I want to be stronger on the mental side. And that's why I found this guy in Sweden who, who's been working with some very successful sports and business people in Sweden and, and started to work with him because I, I was curious to see if he could help me be even stronger on the mental side. I, I thought even before that mental, the mental strength was one of my biggest strengths as a driver, but I wanted to be even better. And I feel like it, it has helped me to be better. Uh, but coming, like looking at it the way we work as well, it's, it's not very much sport specific. We don't talk about like, yeah, driving, you need to drive the car this or that. Like my mental coach, he doesn't know, like when we started to work, he didn't know almost anything about racing. Like he, yeah. he was like, oh, yeah. this, I don't know anything about racing, but I know a lot about the mental side of performing, even if it's sports, business. He has some very successful actors that need to perform when they're on set, you know, like in all kinds of things. So we, we work a lot about, you know, just the, the personal side of things, you know, like just, how, how you are as a person, how you, how you do your everyday life, what, what, you know, what your mindset is every, every day you wake up, when you do stuff, when you do media stuff, when you work with sponsors, like it's the whole thing. It's not like when I'm on lap 10, you know, I'm, I'm really going to be good at doing this overtake. It's not how you're thinking stuff. about breaking for turn one. It's like, yeah, no, it's a exactly. much more a holistic thing, right? Yeah, exactly. And I think that's been really interesting for me. And I think it's helped me. Again, I, th I feel like it's helped me on and off track, to be honest. And, and I think it does affect the way 
you know the way you are affects the people you're around and and, and vice versa and i think that's uh, it's interesting and i find it very interesting yeah that's cool no i'm, I'm glad to hear you say that because i think that's that's always been an interesting kind of aspect of it i think there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of sports psychologists out there that are specific to golfers or baseball players or, you know, whatever. But more and more, I feel like when you hear people that have really had positive experiences within sport, it's 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 kind of what you're describing. Like it's it's working with somebody that maybe doesn't know anything about the specific sport that you're in, but they, you know, there's there's so much similarity between just being in the moment when you need to be there and kind of understanding what that mindset is like, right? Um Shifting back to back to indie, how much has it has it surprised you, and does it surprise you still how much winning the event has kind of altered your even day to day life over the last year? I mean, is that has that worn off? Has that become you know normal? Maybe you can give us some of the like you know uh, little little tidbits of things that you just thought, oh man, like I I never would have thought I'd be here doing this, but but here I am. I mean, I, I wouldn't have someone sending me a jet to go down to Kentucky Derby and spend the day there and <laughs> fly back home the, the same night. That that wouldn't happen a year ago. So that's that's, that's one. I part. saw your suit, Marcus. <laughs> yeah, what do you think? Your suit was. What uh, do you think? It was. Yeah, uh, man. It was uh, edgy. I would call it edgy. <laughs> I still don't. I still don't know what color it was. Uh, what color is it? I think it's like dark blue slash purple with some. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. But it's I liked it. Stood, I would. I would out. give it. I would give it my. Uh, you know, you, you, had to, you had to wear it. You had to wear it with confidence. You had to have the <laughs> mindset. You know, you had yeah, to have the mindset to wear it. But I, 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 I thought I filled it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, hour long call with his mental coach before going down there just to yeah, make sure exactly. he, he could pull off the suit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. Something like that. No, but it's it's been it's been great. You know, the last twelve months it's been amazing. I got to experience so many cool things, and and even you know here in, in India, you know, I live here in Indianapolis, and you can just notice such a difference now. You know, every time, almost every time I'm out out and about, people come up to me and like, oh, good luck good luck for the races or good luck for the month of May and or congrats on last year. And it's definitely, you know, it changes your life. And, and especially I think here in Indianapolis and Indiana, you know, it's such a, such a big thing. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely been, uh, it's been a lot of things happening the last 12 months. It must be quite an unusual kind of contrast to when you're in Formula One, because Formula One is obviously geared so much towards the the championship, uh, either where you finish in the championship or or winning the championship. That's always the the kind of end goal. Whereas IndyCar has this kind of weird fifty fifty split where everyone does want to win the championship, but also the five hundred is arguably more important than winning the championship, or at least as important as winning the championship at the end of the year. So, I guess now that you've won the Indy five hundred, having spent a lot of your career working towards a championship that you well, you try to win the championship and having won this event and seeing what that's done for your career, that must be quite unusual in that sense, seeing how that's kind of impacted things. Yeah, I mean, especially coming from European racing where we, I feel like in Europe, it's very much about the championship, not so much about yeah. these like big events. Uh, whereas in, in America and in American sports, it is a lot more about the big events. I think obviously the difference for us compared to many other sports is the 500 is race, what, five or six in the season versus... Mm-hmm. The last race, as is, you know, would make more sense. But uh, yeah, I think you know it, it's interesting that uh, you know the way it is for, for us. Um, and and you know, it, it took a while for me to get my head around that. But I think, especially after experiencing five hundred for the first time there in twenty nineteen, it sort of it opened my eyes big. That like, oh, this is this is something else. This <laughs> is like 
now I understand why everyone's talking about this in the 500 thing, because I think before you come here and experience it, it's hard to sort of grasp that and understand that. And I think the longer I've been here, the more I understand the importance of, of the 500 and why it means so much to, to the whole paddock, but also like the whole country really, you know, everyone knows about the 500 and that's the thing that's still sort of, it's interesting. I find when you talk with people, and, and a lot of casual fans, you know, they, they don't really know that it's an IndyCar series. They know about the 500, mm-hmm. which I think is a shame. Hopefully this new documentary series will, will help us show that we are more than just the 500. But it is, you know, it is no doubt uh, the biggest thing here is the 500, yeah. We've got the Indy Road course coming up. That's the next uh, challenge before we actually get to the 500. Um, I've just written a feature with, I spoke to Scott Dixon at the start of uh or at the end of last week about his qualifying performance and how that's improved. He's up about five spots per race compared to last year at this point. And I think that kind of reflects across the whole team, really. Alex is up a couple of, a couple of spots uh, per race. I think you are as well. Um, I guess the Indy Road Course is a massive kind of marker for you guys as to how much your qualifying form has improved because it's been such a difficult place in in recent times it was always always used to be a place where ganassi were was strong at the road course but it's been you know definitely a place where it's been a bit more of a, a struggle in the last few years at least um i know scott's average is just over 16 there and it's it's a track that has been difficult for ganassi so are you seeing this weekend as a you know a good test to see where you're at in terms of how much that qualifying form has you know improved as a team yeah, I think it's going to be an important weekend for us. Obviously, the Indy Road course, the way the championship is, you know, we, we race twice there. So it's a very important track to be to be good at. And unfortunately for us, we've been struggling a bit there the last few years, like you, you said there, and like you talked with Scott about. And it's it's a bit of a strange one because normally we are pretty good on most road courses, I would say. But this place in particular, we've just been struggling a little bit for some reason. And um, we, we put a lot of time and, and effort in trying to analyze and understand that and we feel like we've made some you know some direction changes for the setup that uh, we we're hoping and, and thinking is going to help us um i have a simulator day here on wednesday just before the gp so we're going to sort of try some things there um so yeah it, it's going to be important and we know in the road course it, it is a hard place to overtake so you know qualifying is going to be important so we definitely want to see, uh, you know, our, our improvement in qualifying, like we've seen the first part of the season. We want to continue that at the inner road course, no doubt. Yeah. And I guess just looking at places where you can maybe improve at the start of the season, because there's not been, there's not a lot of obvious places for you to improve based on the fact that you're leading the championship and, and some of the areas that you were working on so hard in the off season have, have paid off. I guess the only one I've kind of seen is is the, the in and out laps uh, are always obviously difficult in IndyCar, whether it's the trying to perfect the in-lap or the out-lap, obviously on cold tyres with, you know, a full tank of fuel. I guess that's probably an area we're always looking at to to improve and, and somewhere where I don't think your numbers are quite as good as they, they were last year in, in that department. It's, it's very difficult from the outside. I think it's very worth pointing this out, not just because you're on the podcast and we're talking to you now, but when we're talking about in and out laps at any time, obviously you can get a little bit of traffic and that can really affect the amount of time it takes for your, your in or out lap. So, doing a rankings of in and out laps is extremely difficult and can there can be a lot of anomalies when it when it comes to these kind of things so it is quite difficult to say with um like a a definite kind of thing that you're doing better or worse than you were last year but the uh, i guess you'll always be looking at the numbers and looking at in, improving so what do you kind of think in in those areas in in the first part of the season 
Yeah, no, it's it's funny you say that because I I was looking at that last week actually, and and trying to sort of analyze a bit uh, that we we get obviously statistics on it uh, after each race, and and I've also noticed what you're saying that my out in and out laps hasn't been as good as as they usually are. I feel like usually I'm pretty strong on that, uh, and and this year it hasn't been the case, and I've been sort of analyzing that a bit more, and and again, uh, like you said as well, like. I, quite a few times this year i've had traffic on the in and on the outlaps and that's sort of been hurting me uh, i've had barber last time out you know both time on the outlaps there i had to fight quite hard wheel to wheel and defend someone and it's just very you know different compared if you come out and you have a clear track and no cars around you and that can be a difference of a second in an outlap or, or even more depending if you have to fight someone hard so you know there's definitely room for improvement there let's put it that way but i think my numbers look a bit worse than maybe they should do. But uh, it's definitely, you know, it's one of those things. Again, I'm, I'm trying to always look at areas where I can improve. And that's definitely been something I noticed uh, that hasn't been as good as I'd like it to be. So, yeah, look for that after this week. And I'm going to promise you it's going to be better. <laughs> <laughs> it's awesome. When you when you look at those times, you can look at them on, on IndyCar's uh, results on the on their website if, you, if you're interested in this kind of thing. And you... you almost always the the best in lap and the best out lap of each driver is separated by you know tenths of a second it's really really close so when you hear marcus say that you can lose a second just by doing a little bit of extra defending that gives you an idea of just how quickly you can go from first to last in terms of the the in or the outlaps because these little things um can shoot you up or down the order it's no different to road course or street course qualifying and how close things are for for graduating to the next uh, kind of area and that as well so it's definitely always difficult we know that marcus we know that but um yeah i guess we've got one last question for you we can't let you go without asking about your future because if we don't then somebody will tweet me and say that i'm not a real journalist and i don't ask the real difficult questions so i guess do you have any update for us on how things are kind of progressing with where you're at um I guess give the listeners an idea of where things are compared to um, you know what's been said in, in public recently and uh, I guess we know you're in a contract year and it's um, I'm sure you're looking to get that sorted as quick as possible really. Yeah no it's 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 new, no news at the moment uh, we're working on it and you know it's a process uh, that's going on uh, at, at the side of, of you know me focusing on the racing obviously I have people working with me trying to sort these things out uh, but yeah no news at the moment Um uh, that I can report about. <laughs> well, I'm sure well, I'm, I'm going to be that boring. Sorry, bud. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I'm sure JR and I are going to go away now for a few minutes and then we'll get rid of you. And then when you're gone, we'll talk loads about it. So it'll be fine. We'll do it all behind your back instead. <laughs> Marcus, yeah, yeah, we wish you the best of good. luck for, for the month of May. We might be leaning quite heavily on you at some point in, in May to, to come and chat to us because our, our good uh, co-host JR Hildebrand isn't racing this year. So He's not, his, his insight's going to be irrelevant this year. He's going to have nothing interesting or <laughs> insightful to say whatsoever. So we're going to have to get some drivers in here to tell us what's going on. So you might have to be one of those people for us. Sounds good. I'm, I'm all for it. Bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> Best of luck with the GP and the 500. Marcus Ericsson, thanks so much for joining us and we'll speak to you soon. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Hi, producer Johnny here, interrupting the show momentarily to tell you about Roan, a clothes brand we think you'd like. I don't know about you, but finding clothes you like can be tough. Sizes can vary from brand to brand, and fabrics can be poor quality or uncomfortable. We all know a good outfit can impact your confidence and help you feel your best, and that's where Roan comes in. Their range of stylish, functional, business casual menswear helps you look good without having to think about it. It's versatile, high quality and durable, and works in a range of social and professional settings. 
Roan's commuter collection includes products for every occasion, including the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, quarter zips, polos and blazers. It also features, and get this, wrinkle release technology and gold fusion anti-odor technology for more wears between washes, so you'll be fresh and clean all day long. Roan were kind enough to send me a shirt and some pants from the commuter collection, and I can tell they're going to be part of my wardrobe for a long time to come. The commuter collection could get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com forward slash race and use promo code race to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com forward slash race and use code race. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Hello and welcome back. That was Marcus Ericsson. Interesting to hear him on all things Indy 500 and a little bit of some of the themes of his early part of the season here as the IndyCar points leader. So that was interesting. Also about his future, which is a a fascinating sort of scenario playing out really. Uh, IndyCar, silly season, getting earlier and earlier every year. Marcus is in a situation where, you know, he needs to be paid as an Indy 500 winner and that'll be the kind of key sticking point of the negotiations, I think, between Ericsson and, and Ganassi over the next couple of uh, months here. I don't think there's any particular rush for, for the immediate future, but I think the one thing that Ganassi can't have is Marcus walking out the door because, you know, paddock sources indicate that Alex Pelot is going to be leaving for McLaren or is very likely to at the end of the year. So that's going to be one championship winning driver going out the door. And if Chip lets, lets another one walk, that's a a very difficult scenario for Ganassi to be in, even if they bring in some, you know, brilliant drivers from other teams or, or from over the pond over in Europe, they're going to struggle to have that level of impact that Marcus would uh, immediately, I think. So it's going to be a really interesting topic and we'll follow that one very closely. I'm sure there's a lot of heavy negotiations going on behind the scenes. JR, it's good to chat to you again. Uh, uh, I feel like I should share with the listeners uh, what, what happened over the weekend where I was on holiday in the uh, Lake District and sent JR a picture of a lake and said, if anyone in the world is going to know why I've taken a picture of this lake, it's going to be you. And he immediately replied, Bluebird, which was the right answer. Donald Campbell uh, and his Bluebird record attempt on <laughs> Coniston Water. So I was visiting there at the weekend and uh, I thought that just showed um, the, the the level of uh, sync we have in our brains, which is a bit, a bit odd, to be honest, but cool at the same time. <laughs> I was impressed with myself on that you one. Definitely- I'm not, not usually on, on guesses like that, but... <laughs> I was like, okay, that's pretty good. It was, it was, it was just a matter of deduction. Like, why would Jack possibly be asking me about <laughs> what's important about this lake? Like, it's either the Loch Ness monster or it's <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing that came to mind was Donald Campbell's bluebirds. <laughs> it's really? not actually that I was uh, quite that, quite that up to speed. But anyway, yeah. Well, I was impressed. Good anyway. times. I was impressed. So, looking at the the Indy GP, uh, I guess. My mind immediately jumps to to Roman Grosjean just based on the the form he's been in. It's where he had his first pole in in 2021 with with Dale Coyne. He's got the best average start of anyone in the field at the moment. There's a good chance he's going to be up there again based on how he's qualified there in the the past. So I guess, is he someone that kind of immediately jumps out to you for for someone to watch this weekend? It's... um, 
there's obviously lots of names you can pick out of a hat and we had a obviously this race this race was wet last year and won by Colton Herter in a absolutely fantastic kind of sparring duel with um, basically anyone who didn't make a mistake it seemed to just drivers kept making mistakes and yeah. he was the one who managed don't to make a mistake through. go to the front yeah yeah get it done but Grosjean definitely seems to be the kind of guy in my mind is just immediately jumping to at the moment as someone who you know we should be watching this weekend yeah I agree with that for sure uh, it does look like there's weather in the forecast throughout the weekend so it's a little you know with Indianapolis in the month of May it's always kind of hard to predict exactly how that's going to work itself out but uh particularly on uh because they race do they do they practice and qualify on Friday and then race Saturday yeah or is it a Saturday yeah right um because Friday looks particularly wet so it, I mean that that could definitely mix things up just you know going through a qualifying session that that may not be you know might not have the same kind of representative feel of of just everybody on outright pace um I don't necessarily think that that hurts Ramon or or anybody in particular like I think he would he would definitely he would be somebody who I would guess to star in a wet qualifying session so um it's definitely not to throw any cold water on that but but it may happen in a different way um I look forward to that it, I think it would be awesome to see qualifying in the rain and hopefully and and at, at IndyGP okay there's a lot of grass that you know could make furs yellows and and reds and whatever but in a general sense it's it's not like if you had street course qualifying in the wet, you'd almost just anticipate that it's going to be a total chaotic mess of cars, you know, sliding into walls and all that kind of stuff on a, you know, natural train road course, particularly like Indy. There's a lot of room to kind of have some margin if you do make mistakes uh, to at least not be causing reds and and massively disrupting sessions. So I'm a, there's a part of me that's kind of hoping for that just so we get to kind of see how guys you know, see how different drivers and teams approach that kind of dynamic and, and who's, who's good in those conditions. Cause it's just, you know, we don't always get a great apples to apples feel for that. But, um, yeah, I think I, I definitely agree with you that Roman being, you know, he's, he, I think is kind of walking into that race as, as the guy to that guy that, you know, will have a target on his back as one that people will absolutely, you'll have absolutely have to beat to be on the podium. And, um, you know, be in race, you know, race winning contention. So, um, you know, and, and I guess to me, I think the, the, the Penske cars have historically been in, I guess, in more recent form, you mentioned, we mentioned on the pod with Marcus that Ganassi has been good there. I feel like the Penske's more recently have been the ones that, you know, there's, there've been a lot of Simon Pagano, Will Power, Joseph Newgarden kind of like fairly dominant performances there over the last five or six years. So you got to figure they'll be good, but it's not really an event. I feel like that you can count anybody out just because it's kind of an outlier on even the road course schedule. Like being good at the other road courses doesn't necessarily mean that you're good at Indy and and vice versa. We've had Renus VK being super strong. He obviously won that event that that uh, that Roma came in second. Um, you know, so ECR has been able to bring the heat there. The Andretti cars we assume will continue to be good. You know, the outlier really among the bigger teams has been Ganassi of of late, like we talked about, just in terms of them them not really matching the performance of those other teams. So if they are more thoroughly in the mix throughout the weekend, then it's going to be a battle uh, all the way to the end. If it does rain, that'll be interesting because we've got some some updates based on what happened last year in the, in the road course race. I think the 
for the most part, the aero screen was fine through the the wet race last year. Um, by all means, go back and listen to to that episode of of our pod to hear a bit more about how that kind of played out. But the the, the one area where it was a problem was when it rained really heavily at, towards the end of the race, and we had a lot of standing water. And uh, I remember there was one driver who wished to remain nameless who basically crashed into someone in front of him under under caution because he literally couldn't see. Um, there was some some real struggles there, and there was also a bit of a an issue that different drivers were experiencing different problems with with the error screen so it wasn't as simple as just like fixing it it was um you know there was some different stuff going on there so um there's been some updates like um they've got some rain veins on the on the front of the well on the nose just ahead of the uh, aero screens trying to deflect some of the the rain away they've also got um some new more powerful led lights on the attenuator to try and help guys behind see <laughs> see the cars ahead so that's definitely uh those are definitely gonna be a plus points quite a few safety updates from indycar for this season that should help with that kind of thing so that'll be interesting to see for sure the only other person i wanted to ask about was was scott dixon based only because we just talked uh, about him very very briefly there with marcus um but i feel like he's just not someone we've really talked about a whole lot on the pod this year other than the the whole pato award incident thing um I don't really feel like we've got into his form or, or kind of what's happened with him at all. Um, if you want to learn a bit more uh, in depth, you can go to thehighfromrace.com and read my interview with him, which should be out by the time you listen to this. Um, but it's ma- mainly sent around what we talked about with Marcus, that his qualifying average is up um, about five places on, on last year already. Um, and just getting into some of the reasons for that. Um, he, he gave some really cool answers about some of the things that they've been struggling with um, and, and also talked a little bit about Ross Bunnell coming in, his new engineer, um, mixing things up a little bit, being really respectful and understanding that he's coming into a team with a lot of engineering-minded people who've got a lot of experience in IndyCar, but also trying to bring some some fresh ideas to the table and try and help um, mostly get the, the, the red soft tyres in the window because that's been the thing they've struggled with the, the most uh, at different, you know, various different tracks, but especially... The Indy Road Course seems to have been a, a really difficult one, and, and Scott not having that—it feels like he's mentioned this before—not having that European background has maybe put him at a little bit of a disadvantage in terms of trying to get these tyres into the right window. Um, maybe like Alex Blow, Marcus Ericsson coming from that European background, maybe having a, a little bit more experience. But as I said to Marcus, I think this is weekend's going to be a really big kind of marker for for Ganassi to find out how far forward they've come. But I guess people will turn around to that and say, well, it doesn't really matter. It's qualifying higher up because he's eighth in the championship. He was only really eighth in the championship because of that Pato incident, really. He'd definitely be in the top three had he just had a top six finish there at Long Beach. So uh, I guess this feels like another another epic Scott Dixon under the radar kind of situation we've got going on here. And the start of his season has actually been you know really strong, especially given all of the things we talked about on the pod last year that he was kind of facing with personnel moving around behind the scenes and things just being a little bit kind of haphazard um, the execution wasn't really right which is something you never talk about with the the nine team and there was how many instances where the last year where either in practice or qualifying he'd cut he'd you know he'd be interviewed after it and he'd say I can't believe we made you know such a big swing on the setup or we made such a big change just before that that kind of session it's just not very Dixon like and it seems like this year they've kind of got back to normal and they've been you know around the top 10 in every single practice session and, and pretty much every single session of anything all year really. Yeah. And, and the Indy GP last year was one of those events that he, you know, sounded off pretty like aggressively afterwards yeah. after qualifying about. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think a little bit like Marcus's season, they they sort of look similar on paper in a way to last year, but they feel quite different. And and with Scott, you know, uh, you could throw Joseph into that mix, too, that, yeah. you know, these are these are, you know, Marcus 
up at the front leading the championship, but doing so in a different way, doing so more on like pure pace than, than he did last year. Um, so I guess a good thing, a good thing for him, um, you know, Scott and Joseph kind of actually having cleaner, more put together. Like when you talk to them, when you see them around the track, they definitely seem much more like in tune with their teams and the car and what's going on and are, and are just kind of, I hate to use the word bad luck or the term bad luck, but just kind of not having things quite go their way. And and with as competitive as the championship is, you know, if you have things not go your way, then that's costing you a lot of positions in a, in a given, a given event or, you know, whatever over the course of a weekend. So I think that, you know, Scott, I, I, these guys all know that because of the depth of the championship that you have to kind of, turn this around and, and just start producing those results. And, and those guys, Scott knows that as well as anybody does, but I do think that this is a resurgent year. And the fact that the fact that I still, I still look back at last year and think for how, for how uncharacteristically inconsistent they were, we'll just, we'll, we'll say they as, as the nine crew, just on all fronts, the fact that they were still totally in it at the end of the year finished third in the championship yeah like you know i think that i think that you know, when you look at where scott's at same thing for joseph when you look at those guys right now there's definitely the ceiling of performance that those teams can bring to the table is as high as anybody so if they just start being able being kind of call it like allowed to operate at that level weekend to weekend without things going wrong that are that are maybe just kind of out of their control, then, um, you know, they're, they're going to be dangerous going down the stretch. Kind of on a similar note to, to Scott Dixon, uh, you can also go back and read uh, a feature with Christian Lungard from last week where I spoke to him just after his sixth place in Barber. A little bit of working out where Ray Hall, Letterman, Lanigan stands and, and what that result meant for the team, what it meant for Christian. Um, there's quite a funny line in it where he says that uh, he was talking to his dad um, and his dad said the the real Christian's back after that performance and Christian's like, no, he's just on vacation. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> so you can go back and, and read that. Things are coming up quick and fast now. We've got obviously the Indy GP this weekend, the race on Saturday, as JR mentioned, qualifying on the Friday and we've got Sunday off, joy. Then we've got Monday off, joy. And then we're into the 500 practice on Tuesday. So very exciting. I'm looking forward to making my way out to Indy to cover all of that for the race. You can keep up with everything that's going on there, the-race.com. We'll have news and features and all sorts of stuff going on and definitely keep up with the pod. We'll be back either on Sunday or Monday to review what's happened at the Indy GP and then also move on to giving you a bit of a preview of what to expect from the Indy 500 practice week. That's all for this week's episode and we'll be back soon. The Athletic.